say this every week and I stick it out. Um, I know. I know. And, oh, my God. And, and the audio. Hey. Oh. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good overnight. I'm Anthony Price. And I'm Jonathan Bradley. And it's an absolute joy to be back on the air with you because, I don't know, it's been a long, long weekend uh, of debauchery and drunkenness in my shed. Um, and this is this is really my first day back at doing serious stuff. Well, relatively serious. This mm. is our podcast, of, after all. Um, but it is lovely to see you again, Ant. It, it's lovely to see you too, although I must inform the listeners that there is some disappointment because this is the first recording where I have to share the grave news that Jonathan, my co-host, my partner in crime, my friend of all professional friends has shaved off the beard and now looks like he probably has been out on a weekend of debauchery and just forgotten to shave. What's uh, going on with the beard, Mr. Bradley? Well, it's uh, the second coming. And uh, the first one went down so well uh, that um, people uh, have persuaded me uh, to do it again. I'm doing it all over again. And only this time... Um, I'm not going to let it go completely wild and crazy, uh, like a sort of Robinson Crusoe look. Uh, I'm going to keep it nice and trimmed, like yours, Ant. You are my you are my model. Well, I, it's it, it's had often, a cl- it's had a clipper. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I um. It's it's actually it got a bit gruesome and grisly um, until Sunday when I gave it a good trim. I had a trim of my bush. So. It's oh in, heavens! Yeah, it's in a, it's in a good place now. Uh, anyway, for the benefit of the listener, what's what's the latest on the shed, please? Right. Okay. So uh, at the moment, it's got a tarpaulin over the top of it, which doesn't cover the entire thing. Mm. Um, so at the weekend, uh, we did have a shed party, and we had water coming in on everyone's heads, um, and uh, it was a bit crazy. It was a crazy weekend in the shed what's the dimensions of said shed well uh it's 12 foot by 10 foot so when i when i did my little diagram of it on my flip chart i thought yeah well you need you need at least 10 by 12 hang on a second hang on hey siri what's 10 foot by 12 foot in meters please oh yes because you're a young a youngin you don't get feet do you no 10 feet times 12 feet is about 11.1 square meters that's not helpful. I wanted it. Want it's four. Put <laughs> you dickhead, Siri. Hey Siri. Hey Siri. You're an you're an idiot. Is a, I nice. think a foot. Mm. A, a foot is a is is roughly a third um, of a foot. A third of a meter, isn't n- it? No, sorry. A, a, a meter is about three point something feet. Yeah, hold on. Let me. If just, that helps you. No, no, I'll put it into the internet because Siri just decided to. um, Hang on a minute. So 10 feet. 10 foot by 12 foot. Okay, so 10 foot is 3.0 meters. And therefore 12 foot, I'm guessing, will be... A little bit more. Yeah, 3.6. Nice. That's a nice... And that's internal or external dimensions? That's my internal dimension. That is a nice space. I know. And um, But then I started building it and got all the materials and everything. And uh, uh, once I'd got the floor space done and the walls up, so, oh my God, this is enormous. It is huge at the bottom of my garden. And I'm worried that the neighbours might think I'm actually adding an extension to the house, which is pretty much what it is, to be honest. Yeah, but um, you're, but it's all within permitted rules, isn't it, of development? Oh, I've, I've done it um, carefully within all the uh, all the laws. So, yes. you know, I don't, I, there's no problem. But it's getting quite exciting. And uh, the, the roof will be done probably, well, the, the corrugated roof will arrive next week and then I'll stick it on. Nice. Um, and then we're waterproof for the first time. And that will be very, very exciting. Transformational. In fact, it's sufficiently so that I will be able to broadcast from within it a live special show from the shed. Uh, it won't be finished, but I will be will be in a position to do that. Nice. This is exciting news, Mr. Bradley. And on the housing front, hopefully within the same oh, yes. period, I'll be in the new home. So, well, we'd have completed on it, but we might not have moved into it because we're going to do a couple of bits of tinkering before we reside. Right. So there we go. Well, that um, that is good news because living in temporary accommodation, uh, however nice it might be, is not your home. No. And it's not going to feel as good 
and you need to settle down, get your office built, get the kids in their rooms, yeah, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And after a period of lockdown that we've had, you've got very intimate with your home, regardless of what it looks like. So, Oh, um, totally, yeah. Yeah, so we've realised how much we will appreciate the new house, I think. so. I think you will. Anyway, You've on... been nomadic for too long. <laughs> yes, yeah. Do you know what? It's... Sick. it's uh, well, no, it's five months next week. Five months since we left our previous owned home. So, yeah, it, it feels like a lifetime ago, though, because obviously so much has happened since. But there you go. Anyway, um, this week, as ever, we have um, two or three, I believe, listener questions in the bank, which we'll go through later on in the programme. There has been a listener suggestion, JB, which I wanted to echo to you during recording oh, to get your instant reaction for the listeners. And they are suggesting a feature where every and I haven't prepared it, so if we go with it, we can't do it on this episode, but we can start it on the next one. Where we look at... Does it involve singing? Um, no. And we do remain clothed as well, which I'm sure will disappoint you. However, um, the idea is that we should discuss the business news from a leadership perspective of the previous period. As in, we look at um, uh, any news items that may feed into people, leadership, etc. And we discuss it. So maybe it could be a new piece of technology. Maybe it could be what they're talking about. So, for example, I guess in the news at the moment, there's a lot about um, businesses reducing office space. What does that mean for leaders? Those that They're saying, why not have a 10, 15 minute section within it where we review the news that was from a leadership perspective? Well, I, I love that. I think we must give it a whirl. Hmm. We so must we, give it a whirl. We must credit a guy called Steve um, from southeast England, a place called Kent, who with that suggestion, not so far from you, actually, you're Kent. I'm, I'm Kent, but Kent is a very big county. It I is. mean, he could, be, he could be an hour or two away. He's uh, near the M25. In fact, if he met me, he'd probably be glad that he was. Yeah. I, that, yes, that <laughs> is quite a long way away. So maybe we give that a whirl on next next uh, episode and and, um, and see where we go. Um, anyway, so we have some listener questions. But this week, um, JB and I wanted to kick about the concept of comfortable pressure for performance. I think I've, I've, I've let that roll Ooh. off the tongue correctly. Have I, JB? Is that your own language? That's quite nice, Ant. <laughs> you could write a book on that. Com- I, I try and say it again now to maybe remember <laughs> what I said. Comfortable pressure for performance. Is that what I said? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so ultimately, um, we, we were having a discussion and also me and JB or JB has been running some webinars um, for one of his clients, namely the one that I work at. And during the session, um, we were kicking around that putting too much pressure on people can cause problems. And also the same can be said for other, the other end of the spectrum, giving them too little to do, too little pressure can ironically cause similar anxieties. So we thought we would spend this episode talking about how to get your team to a comfortable pressure for performance yeah what a lovely introduction and um i i quite like uh, a little model that i learned years ago and it's called cusp and i'm just going to quickly i think it's a nice little basis for this conversation so uh if you if you can imagine uh four words so the first word is control. At the right-hand side of that word control, put an upward arrow. So the idea is to increase control. Then you've got uncertainty underneath that. The idea is to put an arrow downwards, downward facing, uh, which is reducing uncertainty. Underneath uncertainty, you put support. And to the right of that, you put an arrow upwards, uh, which is your intent to increase the support for the individual. And then finally, you've got pressure underneath those three words. Um, and the idea uh, is to reduce pressure, uh, that, that word that you used earlier. Now, the interesting thing about that is the word pressure. And are we? is it our intent to reduce it or under what circumstances would you would your intent to be to increase? <laughs> I just watched a cat flying across um, Ant's head. Uh, so, uh, under what circumstances would we wish uh, to increase pressure or decrease pressure? And this is what we started talking about last week. 
And obviously, all of this happens within conversations. And there are lots of types of conversations that you might be having. Um, but say you're having a one-to-one -one conversation uh, with a high flyer, uh, sometimes they might want uh, a little bit of extra tension uh, to optimize their performance. And I think where we want to go with this, and is to look at uh, what we need to do to make that happen. How do we how do we angle ourselves? How do we construct the conversation for for managers, leaders to take control of that optimization of the tension in the conversation? It, it's it's amusing um, that you talk about cusp, and we talk about pressure as a good thing because I think some leaders could be forgiven for seeing pressure as a negative word. And I would say it's a good word in the right context. Um, but I just, before we get into the deepness of this discussion, um, wanted to talk about um, an experience. This is about 15 years ago where I was working in L&D, one of my first L&D jobs, actually. And we were being asked to go and train as an L&D function um, people on how to cope with pressure, a.k.a. or can aka uh, also be known as stress and pressure being the same thing and because there was this this um regular feedback from the business that we had lots of people off with stress and um the company said look <clears throat> we need to you know help people be more comfortable with pressure and stress because it isn't going to go away we will only perform with pressure we can't perform without it this was a <clears throat> um um, fast-paced, fast-moving consumable goods business. So therefore, <clears throat> you had to sell within a very quick cycle. So it meant that the sales organization of 400 people were under constant pressure. By Monday, they didn't know who they were going to sell to, but by Friday, they'd have closed all their deals. So they went in every Monday morning knowing they had a blank canvas. And by Friday, without even knowing who they were going to talk to, they were going to have to have sourced, secured a meeting, closed, and got contract paperwork back within four and a half working days. And as you can appreciate, that is a high-paced and high-pressure environment, which people knew from the outset. And there was, during our training, <clears throat> a short piece which explored optimum pressure for performance. And this simply explored the notion that too little pressure you feel undervalued, underutilized, which raises uncertainty in your mind, and you feel you don't have control of your destiny. Um, and actually, that raised people's anxiety levels to such an extent that they then felt that they were not successful, and they started to get stressed. On the other end of the spectrum, the pressure that most of us probably assume to be pressure is that overpressure. There is too much control without the uncertainty and with the uncertainty of not knowing who I needed to sell to was causing this this major anxiety and stress. So through this roadshow, we had to go and do it to every salesperson. And it, incidentally, we made it a mandatory course for every salesperson, mainly to say we take stress management seriously um, and to encourage <clears throat> them to understand it. Um, but this cusp thing, control and uncertainty, would have come out through all of the conversations with these different salespeople across the organization because they felt too little pressure was as stressful as too much pressure. Well, I think you've nailed it. You know, I think that is uh, true of many conversations that I've been party to uh, where you have a terrific talent mm. in the room. You know, you, you've got a really high-flying uh, sales exec, for example, and you know, they just don't feel sufficiently challenged. No. Uh, you know, that ha that has happened in a sales team that I worked within. And, you know, you, th you, th you know, how do, how do I create optimum uh, challenge for this person? Um, and obviously, you know, you want to create learning opportunity for them. Um, and, you know, you, you may have to put in some uh, higher reaching goals uh, for them to get to. Uh, but I think I'm quite interested in this relationship between control and uncertainty 
and how we how we support uh, mm. people uh, getting to grips with the control that they can have control over, because I think there's a lot of anxiety and stress uh, to come from people going after things that they can't actually control. They have no control over, and I pity micromanagers <laughs> uh, because my experience of them is that they try and control everything. Yeah. The things that they can control, which is good, um, but the things that they can't control is where they get stressed um, and, you know, they lose it a little bit. <clears throat> it's funny, isn't it? Because we're, I guess I've been just framing it from an individual contributor perspective. So for the listeners being leaders, they can think about actually cusp from their perspective. But ironically, to your point of view, as a leader... If we feel that we don't have a level of control, especially in uncertain circumstances, this can manifest itself in ourselves as leaders behaving negatively and without even you know being completely unconscious with it, we are imparting uncomfortable pressure which will reduce their performance levels with their people. So countless conversations go on between uh, managers and direct reports around things that that direct report cannot control and so what you're doing in that conversation if you're if you're not seeking uh, to reduce the uncertainty that comes from a lack of control of the things that you cannot control if you're not doing that then you're going to increase their uncertainty and stress even more so it's it's really important to to think of those conversations in two columns one is, what can this person actually get control of? And, you know, we're talking about performance here, uh, the things that they can do. We know countless things that people can do to increase the quality of their performance in sales. And, you know, that absolute focus on closing ratios, um, your average order value, uh, you know, your preparation for the call, uh, the number of times you go out and do those. So all the habits that you need to develop, you can control all of those things. Um, but what people say and what people do around you um, and, you know, the the bitching, the backstabbing and all of that kind of stuff that can derail these people, it's like that's in one column. The other column is what I can control, what I can't control. Then, then we start emphasizing the control piece. That's helpful uh, when we start thinking about optimizing performance through tension, we need to we need to be able to challenge people trying to control things that they actually can't control and shouldn't shouldn't try to take that eye way off the ball. It, Certainly, it, that's my experience. No, no, I think I think you're 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 really onto something there. And 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 again, I'm when when you say this stuff, I try and position myself in third person. Um, either the the leader listening to this or or the people that it's going to impact, um, and if and if I think back, and I guess if our listeners think for a moment about when they felt they were in a, well, I think you've used this term on a previous episode, a state of flow, mm. you know, controlled, natural, comfortable concentration, and I would imagine that if we were to put that through the lens of of cusp, they felt in control. Uh, they felt that they were in, even if there was uncertainty, they were in control of the things that they could control. Um, and they felt they were being supported, valued, known by their line manager. And that ultimately could mean that it's, it's, it's performing. We are doing a great, a great thing. And, and the, the, the irony is, is that probably when we are in that state of flow and we're feeling hugely, for me, is actually I was under pressure. But it was the right level of pressure that translated into, I'm really enjoying this. I'm feeling in demand. I'm delivering my numbers. I'm getting my close ratio. I think what's quite useful here, hopefully, uh, for the listener, is that just, just the conversation we've been having around those four words, control, uncertainty, support, pressure. When we, when we just play around with that a little bit, uh, we can start joining up all the dots and actually just thinking about what you can control what you can't control being in that control area i love the fact that you're linking it to flow because if if you've got uh, control over what you can control 
and you're 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 calm uh, about what you can't. You've calmed that down. You've 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 looked at the looked at the column and gone. Actually, do you know what? I want to focus on the things that I can control. Yay! Great. So we're we're, we're getting some control here, and when we do that, we're reducing uh, the uncertainties of of life at work. Uh, then we've got. Uh, the support, and this is this is this is a very very crucial part for me. It's the it's the trust that we need to build to provide that level of support. And I always like to think of people having a team behind them. And it's a question I ask people. You know, who's your team? And and they'll go, well, there's Johnny, and um, he does new business development. No, 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 your team, your personal team. You know, the people who actually support you, come what may. You know, they're your fans. Um, and you know, be, be you know your personal support. Who who are it doesn't matter of interest. Who are these people? And so it's like you know Formula One racing drivers when they come off the track. You know who's that massive team behind them uh, that put the wheels back on um, and fuel up the car and make sure their heads in the right space and the mics are on and all of that business. You know we we need to be supported more than ever. Uh, in in particularly when we are expected to perform at such a high level, um, and this is where the optimum tension comes in, because yeah. without that, um, you know that high performer isn't going to feel that they're in the right team uh, because they're not being challenged enough. You know they, they're not they're not getting that level of tension that drives them. Well, I'm going all motoring analogy. No, I, I really like, I really like this formula one analogy because again, if we put the lens of too much pressure on someone, there is far more likelihood that I'm going to then hand up having an accident by trying to cut someone up on a corner, which is going to result in my car being written off. You know, I can, I walk away from the, the accident, no problem. But equally, I think if we then translate the sport metaphor into football, how often, and I know you're not a huge football fan, um, JB, but you know how often have people been 1-0 or two nil up in the 80th minute to then go on to lose 3-2 because they're under-pressured, they relax, they lose focus and concentration, and then before they know it, their opposition have snuck up, equalised, they're then fired up, they're having a comfortable level of pressure. We're now anxious we're going to lose this so therefore that increases the pressure increases uncertainty and all of a sudden we don't feel in control anymore and it manifests itself into underperformance and guess what we're now they've bloody equalized all this work we did and we scored those first two goals in the last first 15 minutes of the match the last hour we've been coasting along and it's paid it's it's paid its price and actually we're now going to lose the match and we lose the match and yeah. I and I and I so went went and and I you know I I've got quite into football because of my oldest boy in the last 12, 18, 12 to eighteen months, especially since lockdown, and they've put the football back on because it's something live and intimate to connect with with the public, and you you watch it and and I always think about this kind of yeah do you know what they it's they've done it again they've 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 relaxed now they've conceded a goal now they feel out of control under pressure. And it goes on. Who's that Liverpool manager that you bang on about? Jurgen Klopp. And I'm not even right. a Liverpool fan, but he is yeah. exceptional. Jurgen Klopp. I heard a great quote from him the other day. And uh, it was to do with um, someone saying, um, football's life and death. Yeah. And he said, no, it's far more important than that. <laughs> what a What a great comeback. What a great line that is. Football's life and death. Oh, no. It's far more important than that. <laughs> is that brilliant? He's he's an exceptional leader, and and I and and you and I guess there is always going to be that secrecy about what goes on at halftime in the in the changing room, right? When they're when they're having their halftime pep talk, but when managers are one nil down, um, to then you know, so if I go back to that that story we were talking about a minute ago of being two nil up. Um, and we're relaxed. We're just going to defend for the rest of the match. And lo and behold, second half, shit, the opposition. And what happened? Something's happened. And I think to use the cusp thing once again, and it's a great, um, it's a great acronym. It is, isn't it? No, alliteration. I can't come up with the right term of it. Any anyway, acronym, yeah. Um, you know uh, how much of that halftime talk from the likes of Jurgen Klopp, although he's had the last season, I think he's only conceded a couple of matches. But you know. 
that would have been we need to keep the pressure up. If they're two 0 up at halftime, they're they're making sure they remain in control. They reduce exactly all the things you talk about. So um, let's stay with Klopp. Not that I, I I very I'm very nervous about going into football territory because apart from my um, stepson actually loves Arsenal and he is getting me to become oh. a little bit more knowledgeable. We've well, got an football. FA Cup final this weekend. Yeah, no, he. Oh my goodness, the passion! Um, if 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 he he gets it, he's get he's really sweet actually. He gets his strip on. Uh, I think that's what it's called. <laughs> and, yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> you know, he gets a beer and he gets very very excited about it. And he just he, he's just I've never seen him so emotional with these matches going on now that they've come back after COVID. Is this the older or the youngest? This is coming? this is the younger. Right. And but my goodness, if Arsenal don't perform or they lose. He is morose. I mean, honestly, it's like he's he's gone. He's and grumpy and not with us. So the passion, which which is a segue into the next point I wanted to make, which is um, the, you might find this a bit personal, and I don't know the difference between arousal and anxiety. Oh, um, keep and... going, JB. <laughs> so slightly uh, wonky territory, but probably slightly safer for me than football. I don't know. I don't um, know if you're talking about arousal and wonky. I don't think those go in the same sentence. But hey ho, <laughs> well, perhaps they do. Um, so you, you know, can you remember, Ant? You know your first love, and you know you're you've done all of that work. You've done all your preparation for the conversation. You've used all your lines up, and you know you, you're you're actually quite hot. Um, you're quite excited, and that are, you're aroused. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've got a high level of arousal going on, and can you imagine uh, going back to that sort of first love, that bloom of love and passion inside you, uh, that that moment of arousal? And then, is it, this... is it wrong that I'm getting a bit horny? Oh, Talk dirty, you bastards. Um, uh, <laughs> and then, now this is where I need you to, to kind of rethink that, that experience. Um, she rejects you. She spurns you. And you got it horribly wrong. All your chat-up lines, all your moves, everything just did not win her heart over. The, the sense of anxiety, um, the sense of loss... And all of those things coming. Can you can you feel those two different uh, behaviours? Those well, the, two different feelings. The horniness is gone. I can confirm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's again. There's now uncertainty high. Um, yeah. I'm useless. I, I can't chat up yeah. a paper bag, let alone this I, lovely. I, I don't think, and and I can I can imagine, and it's a dangerous territory, so we won't explore it too much. That um, I now feel that I have a lack of control over the situation. Yeah. Um, which, okay. You crazy control freak. Um, um, yeah. Control and, of yourself. Yeah. And let's be honest. When it's your first love, your teenage friends perhaps don't give you the support you need either to get through it. They just ha ha. Told you. Yeah. They just think it's really funny. Yeah. She's fit. But I'm inside, go after you're dying. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Dying inside. So um, this is. I think this is the difference between you know, kind of getting starting off with this kind of comfort zone. Um, if if you have been successful, you can get into a kind of comfort zone, can't you? And then sometimes relationships lose their their, their that that kind of arousal thing, you know. It's, and I'm not talking from personal experience. This is a crazy conversation, isn't and I'm it? Feeling, I'm feeling really nervous about going any further with it. But this is this is know, because JB, there is a lack of cusp in the room. There's, there's there's you and me on a podcast with no script, no control. High yeah, it's completely out of control. Yeah. But we're okay, we're okay with that because we're exploring these things. True. So you know, it, it is another another idea. You know, being in a relationship that just goes a bit south. It was loads of arousal and excitement at the beginning, um, and now it's all in some sort of comfort zone. Uh, everyone puts the bin out at the right time. Um, you know, someone's got a good job doing the hoovering. Someone else does this. In fact, in my house, I do the whole lot. But anyway, that's another matter altogether. <laughs> Um, and then actually what can happen is when those things go, uh, unspoken about, they're not challenged, uh, it, it's not open and transparent, it can become quite anxious. And a lot of people divorce at that point. 
Um, so, so I'm thinking about this in terms of uh, office environments where people are having these kind of conversations every day. Some people can get into that kind of comfort zone and they feel unchallenged and they want, they want that little arousal. They want that tension going on. And we've got to be careful as managers not to take that comfort and over-challenge it and create stress. So we, that's when we go back to we go back to cusp and we talk about control, uncertainty, support and pressure. And it's the pressure thing that we're really talking about today, which is how do we optimize the tension, um, which I think has a strong link to that arousal area um, where I'm, I'm feeling great about myself. Um, I'm, I'm meeting challenges every day and I'm and I'm beating them. I'm winning um, and I've got my support. I've got my team. I've got team, team JB behind me. I've got Team Ant. I can go there and have big conversations about where I am. I don't feel aroused anymore. I do feel aroused, but I've got nowhere to go with it. Um, I, I'm in a comfort zone and I'm stuck uh, and I'm going into a fixed mindset. I'm bored. I'm stuck. I don't want to I don't want to learn anymore. I'm done, done here. Um, you know, my boss just said I've got loads of potential, but it ain't here. I don't know where to go with that. Um, and then, you know, that person can get into a terrible state of uncertainty and anxiety because the boss looks like they're going to fire them any minute now. Uh, their peers are looking at them as if they're failures um, or they're laughing at some of the things they do because it's just not up to their normal um, level of performance. So what the, what, what, you know, that's crazy. that You can't even remember how to do that anymore. <laughs> and that's so easy. So, you know, we I showed a graphic last week of this dial uh, this up, uh, optimum uh, area uh, of tension uh, that the manager needs to get their people to uh, out of comfort zone, um, but and, and as as much as we can, um, going for this uh, optimum tension, uh, but never letting that become anxious stress, and that's where this support, support challenge. As managers, we we must get comfortable with navigating our way through conversations uh, where we introduce challenge and support all the time. So where do our listeners go then in your mind in relationship to utilising CUSP for their people to give that optimum pressure versus performance feeling? So... Um, I I often get asked questions like that, and uh, I think the answer. Oh, I'm, I'm boring then. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, I didn't mean it like that. No, I, 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 the um, the intelligence of the question um, obviously comes out um, from people who are giving a damn good bit of thinking, and the answer lies in in the mind of the direct report, not in yours. You've got to ask the questions that actually helps the other person to work out what they need to control and what they don't need to control, uh, where where they are experiencing uncertainty right now uh, and what measures they can put in place to reduce that themselves. So the first part is, right, let's have a conversation about areas of control. Our aim in the conversation is to optimise your potential, optimize your performance. Um, and that's where our starting point is. So we have that conversation about control, the, the two columns, just make it simple. Uh, and then looking at areas that they can reduce uncertainty. Then we then we introduce the idea of this support, the team. So who's your team? Uh, and what's their role? And what, what do each of them do for you uh, to keep you on the track? Um, and so we have that conversation there. And then we get into the to the pressure part. And I think this is the, the bit where I wish it was called tension, actually, because I think tension's a much better word than pressure, but the cusp wouldn't work quite so well. Um, so tension, what's your attitude towards tension? What's your at attitude towards pressure? Uh, and you could ask them, you know, when when is tension good in your life? What does tension look like? How do you relate to it? How do you how do you act on it? What happens when you feel a high level of tension? And you could you could play around with the word arousal at work. When are you most aroused? 
it's quite it's a cheeky question it's an interesting question and i don't think it's a bad thing that it has sexual connotations and so on mm. because that same feeling that we get uh when we are um in the frame <laughs> I, when we are in that kind of high level of excitement about our work and what we do uh we've got that kind of stuff going on mm. not exactly the same but it's similar uh, we're aroused at work. We don't. We don't want to be highly anxious at work. So I, I, that's why I, I really wanted to get the idea of of linking these ideas to that agenda of cusp, to have almost like a sort of offline conversation with someone. So can I just try something with you and and just see where this conversation goes? It's about performance ultimately, but but just trust me. I'm just going to just see where this leads to. And I'd, I'd recommend that to our listeners uh, sometimes, where it's appropriate, um, just just see. Back of um, a napkin or something, just right cusp and the arrows going up and down and just play with it mm. and see where it goes. I've offered that to many, many people and they have had huge results uh, just by having uh, that kind of focus in the conversation. So it can be a game changer, actually. Really useful little tool. To put a personal experience spin on it for our listeners, I think the easiest um, analogy we could use for comfortable pressure for performance is imagine you are a parent at home when the other parent is away for a week with work, for example, and you haven't got that support and you've got three crazy kids you can tell I'm telling a personal story here. Um, three crazy kids running right around the house, no control over any of them. Um, the volatility of the of the toddler, terrible twos. There's your uncertainty. Do I take them out? Mm, what can I control? Let's keep them at home. At least they're in a controlled, safe space. And that feeling versus having a great weekend when you've got relatives over that are sharing the load um, and actually there's people that can keep the kids occupied and play nicely. They're all in a good mood. Um, there's some rules in place that they're going to get chocolate ice cream for dessert if they behave themselves. You know, that that is a, quite a personal experience of good performance and good pressure. And actually, do you know what? When there's people over, oh goodness, we've got to entertain them, got to make the drinks, got to get the barbecue going, got to make sure the kids are behaving with granny and granddad and uncle and aunties and cousins and sisters and brothers. Um, and and it, it, for me, it, it, you can really think about cusp in those situations as well. And I can sometimes appreciate when I come back from a trip why my wife's hair looks like she's been plugged in to a, to a main socket um, because there has been low support um, and the children have provided ample uncertainty and it is very difficult with a lack of support to even get a level of control. And you've got two boys and they're... they're three. three. Sorry, why did I say that? Three boys. And sometimes control is quite hard to, to, to meter out, <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. Um, when they're they're highly active, running around doing their thing, and uh, I I I wanted to just kind of wrap this up a little bit with a uh, the role of the of the leader, you know. So um, you know, you're you, you hopefully having these types of conversations with people about getting them to peak uh, high performance, and. These kind of conversations are vital for that, and they they build trust and you know knowing and focusing and valuing people. Um, these are these are very very important things. Um, but I wanted to just finally, for for me anyway, just add the the leadership role uh, in creating inspiring uh, futures, uh, and you know using the best of your ability to communicate adventure um excitement uh imagination wonder and uh, adding that to the conversation so yes you're you're building this sort of uh opportunity for tension to be used in the conversation probably mostly by the questions that you ask by the way but um you you want to be able to set out a, a future that will excite this person 
because you know them, you focus them, you value them, you know what excites them, you know what will arouse them ahead of today. Uh, and you keep you keep that dot on the horizon clear in their mind. And you keep going back, you use different stories, different concepts, different metaphors, whatever it, whatever it takes uh, to, to maintain that spirit of adventure. And for me, that, that is, is the leader's job, is, is to campaign that for that individual, to inspire them um, with the adventure they're, they're, that they're on as much as you can. Um, these two things go hand in hand. So cusp um, and also, you know, that kind of stretch towards that uh, distant shore, that dot on the horizon. Never forget how important that is because it links it. It keeps the track uh, there for them to run on um, and keeps meaning for their for their life at work. Should we move on to listeners' questions? Why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? <clears throat> I enjoyed that. I never thought we'd be talking about arousal on our podcast. I'm um, glad we stopped it there. Then. Well, the, the other podcast, you and me record at weekends, that's all about nothing but arousal. But um, we can't give away that name. Otherwise, they'll be downloading the erotic episodes <laughs> of JB and Ants. Oh, no. <clears throat> um, we have two questions this week. We always love your questions. Please do send them in to globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or you can send it to us via our social media channels. Lead Learn Pod is on Twitter. And if you search Global Leadership Podcast on LinkedIn, you'll find a page which I think has a handful of followers. Um, but we've only just started doing social media recently. So please do give it a like. And it's a good space where you can submit questions. Both of these, though, have come in through email, which seems to be the preferred contact. One is anonymous. One is named. Which one would you like first, Mr. Bradley? Named. Thomas from Germany asks... This is more of a personal experience here. As a manager, what's your most embarrassing story? Ha 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 ha. Uh. <laughs> I didn't prepare for this. I only saw this question a minute ago when I went into my inbox. Oh goodness! Um, right, okay. But you're well, prepared to I, share, I guess. Yeah, it does involve a bit of swearing, unfortunately. But um, so. There was this guy, uh, when I was in radio um, and I was in promotions and sponsorship and um, I was harassed by this guy. I'm not going to mention his name because he'd probably sue me, um, but his Christian name was Robert and he ran a great big event. And I'm not even going to say what the event is, but it was a massive event and he kept um, trying to get free publicity and promotion for it oh. and uh, people kept putting him on to me. And I one day got really fed up with this calling and uh, I said, okay, sorry, um, Robert, I've got to go now. Uh, I, I really, honestly, I've got to go for a meeting. And in those days, the switchboards were different and not so good as they are now. Anyway, and I, I put Robert through to the receptionist and I said, um, Maggie, can you put this big fat Wally uh, through to news, please. And he said, I heard that. And put the phone down. <laughs> that was that was hugely about I had to go and see the CEO. He was a big spender, this guy. Sales guys went absolutely mad because he did a load of advertising on the station. All I had to do was just keep him sweet um, and just offer him a bit of a roadshow and a this and a that, but he just wanted more and more and more and more. And uh, when I say big Wally, uh, he was about six foot seven, uh -huh. enormous guy, um, had the meeting with the CEO, and uh, he said to the CEO, I'm, I might be big, I might be fat, but I'm never a Wally. That's the bit he took offence with. Yeah. He didn't mind being big and fat. He just didn't want to be a Wally. And uh, anyway, I managed to, to keep my job just by the skin of my teeth. That's my most, well, there are other embarrassing ones, but they, hey, hey, I'll leave it there. What about you, Ant? My one has been publicly shamed anyway, so there is no <sighs> secret in doing it. And I think it has been mentioned in passing on a previous episode. Um, but this was... 
Uh, actually, it's not a story about being a manager, though. So uh, can I cheat for brevity? Well, I think I did, technically speaking. Okay. Um, so most embarrassing would be when I did that radio show in the nude. So mm. back in 1999, I was young. Vera. Uh, had a full head of hair, I think. Um, and um, on air with the breakfast show host, um, we did a feature called Who's on John's John? Uh, John was our newsreader. It's, hey, it was local radio at its best, folks. Oh, my God. Um, and so- basically, a, a John was a very a big, a big drama queen and insisted on his own toilet. But every so often, we used to let a celebrity go in and use it. And you then had to work out who the celebrity was talking over the toilet flush. <laughs> Call in oh, three, brilliant. Bedford 347 and you could win £100. If you get it wrong, a £10 gets added. So it was now at about 860 quid, I believe. And um, the breakfast jock lead, I was merely T-boy and general in the background. Um, the, the, the breakfast show lead said, um, I am, I feel, going to give it away today. Um, and if you can get it right, not only going to win the money, we're going to do tomorrow's show in the nude. Now, I am, I feel, was a clue to the one of the title tracks of that artist, which was Alicia's Attic. They released a song called I Am, oh, I Feel. Yes. And yeah. so in saying that, he obviously spurred someone to guess it correctly. And it had been going on for weeks and we were fed up of hearing Alicia's Attic talking in John's John as it was. And they rang in. They got the answer right, and the following morning we were in the nude. And uh, I must also admit that we then got featured in many newspapers with a photograph. I'm delighted to say that I was using, back in the day, an album where my friend John uh, was using a CD, which clearly demonstrated my size versus his. Um, and the radio station did have a glass-fronted uh, studio, so um, you could easily walk past and see. And... Yeah, um, it was embarrassing. Um, yeah, my girlfriend at the time was was also not particularly impressed because it unusually gave me a high high amount of visibility in the local area. And we were doing a roadshow a few Telling weeks me. later, and a listener came up and said, "Oh, I think you're the best looking in all those in that photo, dear." She's about sixty five, sixty six years old. Bless her. So I was like, oh. "And you're still married to to this day, which is the lovely part <laughs> of that story." Alas, not. And- Oh, but so, um, can you remember what the album cover was that covered your private? No, it was, I think it was handed to us in a, in a moment of of panic because we were asked to come outside the front of the radio station, sat, stand in front of the branded vehicles. And by this time, because obviously breakfast eight fifteen in the morning, the offices were empty. By the time the radio show had finished at ten o'clock, the offices were full of our salespeople, the management, and whatnot. So they all came out um to look at his um yeah perverts i bet they did yeah um and um, no i think we were just literally handed whatever came to hand first and i just grabbed the biggest thing purely because i wanted to try and cover up as much as my modesty as possible um but there was an in joke for a long time afterwards that uh, john john ford is his name he now works for the police actually um there you go what a career change um he's a, a press officer um yeah, he uh, he had a CD. So lucky that you had albums and CDs to cover your modesty in those days. What now, do you do now? Yeah, what you do you do? Now? You can't do the same trick. You can't even hold a newspaper up to yourself anymore. No, no, because you read your news on a smartphone. So it'd have to be an iPhone six plus. Well, that's not going to work in your case, is it? No, uh, maybe a copy of Ian Dale's "Why Can't We Just Get Along" available oh, at all good bookstores. Signed copies available at iandale.com. Yeah, that might work. Yeah. Right, next question. Next question, the last question. This is a bit more of a, a tricky one, which, which kind of brings the mood down slightly, I'm sorry to say. Okay. Um, this is an anonymous question, and I can understand why when I read the question. Um, my entire workforce, apart from me and one of our team of 10, are currently on furlough. They return in six weeks' time, and I'm being told to plan and work out half of the team need to be made redundant. How do I take my team through this period? Wow. It's a tricky one um, because I'm very aware that there are various legalities. And for those of you that aren't in the UK, furlough in the UK is where the UK government have been financially sponsoring 80% of a workforce's wages up to a certain threshold, which covers 80, 90% of the workforce, I believe. 
So imagine, if you will, at the, when it, when they first did lockdown, uh, I'm I'm padding to give JB some time to reflect, and I'm just padding a bit. Then he can answer whilst I reflect on what I'm going to say. <laughs> However, so furlough um, basically means that 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 the company has only doesn't doesn't have a wage bill, so it meant that it would protect jobs long term. I think the reality is for many businesses, not just this person that submitted this question, that there is a question mark about the sustainability of retaining this entire workforce. And the government, I guess, had hoped by furloughing that the the recovery would be a V-shaped recovery so that by the time the furlough scheme had ended, that people wouldn't have to cut jobs, which they would have had to have done during lockdown because businesses would have run out of money. Um, As is the case with not just this individual um, there are a lot of businesses now bringing people back from furlough or worse, still making them redundant whilst they're on furlough, which I think is causing a massive amount of of cusp, mm. um, cusp-related anxiety and stress. Um, and, it, and it's tricky, um, but I'll reflect now whilst JB has a stab at it and try and think if I can say something meaningful because it's a really unenviable position to be in. Uh, it, it really is, and I, it, it reminds me of a time in radio where there was a an appetite for getting rid of uh, huge swathes of uh, management, uh, particularly managing directors of radio stations and so on. And uh, we we all knew that this wave was coming, uh, slightly different circumstances, but uh, the transparency that the senior management. Uh, used at that time uh, was was really helpful. Uh, they spelt out the risks um, that, that we were at risk. And, uh, you know, part of that is a legal process in most countries, I think, anyway. And that the way that that was explained, the meetings that took place in a very adult way uh, set out uh, how that had come about, why it was necessary, uh, what the what the changes meant to the business, um, and not all of us would um, remain in the company. Um, it was a period of um, uncertainty, that's for sure. Uh, but I think what we were able to do uh, was to talk about our own way of managing it uh, with with our managers, our leaders, and. Uh, those one-to-one conversations I remember very well, uh, and they were very important uh, for people to be able to vent uh, their frustration and their anger in some cases. Uh, and it's you know that's important uh, as part of the the curve of people dealing with uh, with all of this you know uncertainty. Uh, so uh, one of the key things that I think you need to get across. Uh, is is this area of potential? You know, the people have enormous potential. Uh, it it may not necessarily be in this team because of the circumstances, because of the things that have been so transparently communicated that we you know we won't all be in this team at the end of this. Um, but the focus of the leader is to work on the individual potential of each member of the team, regardless of whether they're going to stay in the business or not. So that conversation about potential and the strategies to manage their potential, staying or not staying, is is absolutely vital um, to challenge that, perhaps sometimes. Um, when people are in that um, can't control, what can you control, area we, we need to, to challenge that and, and push through but my goodness it's important to show that we will support we'll support them staying and we'll support them going 100 percent. and we believe in their potential i don't know there's probably more stuff that i should say but I, that's kind of what's come straight to my mind um i'm gonna be very careful in my response because i'm going to refer to a network contact of mine who is a listener and I will mention to them after recording that I've mentioned them anonymously Um, and they have that anxiety right now they are currently on furlough um, and um, I'm not going to tell you the sector that they work in um, but they have been made aware that the company have announced for the people that are in the business 
that they are due to make about 15% of the workforce redundant um, over the coming weeks and months. And this is after a period of being six months in furlough. No, actually, it's less than that, isn't it? But anyway, I think it's five months or so. Mm. But they're not due back until later on in the year because they've not been returned yet and their business isn't ready financially to be able to cope with a wage bill because their business model is broken. They're one of these sectors which is heavily reliant on on the old world, not the new world. And there's an anxiety they can't transform quick enough. Anyway, um, from talking to this contact of mine, mainly on Messenger, we've not had any verbal conversations for a month or so, although we keep meaning to catch up. Um, her um, biggest disappointment in the business has been its lack of communication during furlough to make her feel that when the time is right, when furlough is done, that whatever happens, she is supported. Mm. And that has burnt bad um, in her mind so that even after furlough is done and her job may be retained, the lack of communication, the lack of support, because there is high levels of uncertainty, there is zero control over the situation, there is no pressure on this person to do anything. And in her words, she feels like she's been thrown on the heap by the company. So my one additional piece of advice to the excellent advice JB's just given is, if you haven't done it already, um, and you know that there is a period of time between now and when you have to make half the team redundant, start making an effort for those people on furlough to make sure that they feel connected and manage expectations that you know the business is bleak there are challenges here and and i think to to put some positive spin on it if you can and i hate to say it although this is a this question is not from the same company that my my friend is in um if you have been communicating i think actually those things are in the company and yours as a leader's control my my frustration is um people remember how they've been treated during furlough and this situation is nobody's fault. This is not through to stupid spending or irresponsible behavior of the company. Um, no one anticipated this impact, this situation, um, and we've all had to muddle through. But to under-communicate to people during periods where they are on furlough is a huge disappointment for me for people managers and you know what if i'm very fortunate i wasn't furloughed even if i was unless there was a legal reason that prevented me from doing so i would have made a point you know based on the fact that i'm still getting 80 percent of my wages paid on possibly 100 percent because my company are topping up that that additional 20 percent i would have made the point of keeping a connection alive with all of my people this person saying they're currently in the business with one other employee but the rest of their team are due back in a few weeks, but they're going to have to make half of them redundant. So for you, my friends, I would say get your communication sorted over the next six weeks to start bringing people together and just checking in with them because if they feel anything like this other contact of mine who is feeling completely rejected by the company and incidentally may not be part of that cut, if there was a cut when that person goes back, um, they're going to remember it far longer than you realize so communicate 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 that was a there you go that was a a, a bleaker end to the q a maybe hey but jb chose the order what can i say maybe not maybe not um maybe well hopefully that's helped yeah. um this person i really do hope so uh so i'm off to build my shed again now i've got my shed building outfit on and just so that our next broadcast, we might be able to do it from the shed. This is exciting. Uh, I am back to back with work meetings for my day ahead. I know we're in the morning right now, so I have a full on day of meetings, which is always joyous. Um, and other than that, please do submit your questions to globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or through our social media channels. Uh, and also, if you like what you hear, please do give us a five-star rating because it allows other people to search us more easily because the more five-star ratings we have, the algorithm apparently improves our chances of being visible in the first result for things like leadership and so on. So please do do it. If you don't like us, don't listen. Or better still, give us some constructive feedback 
about how we can improve but don't give us a one star give us a give us a five star once we've improved such um, a salesman well yes anyway um thank you for listening um we will be back inevitably with next week's episode with an additional feature as suggested by steve in kent which yes. will include a what's going on in the business world that relates to people leadership god knows where we find the stories from but we'll do some research and we will um have a punt at that section in next week's episode um, i think that's a really good little challenge mm, me too me too anyway i've been anthony price and i've been jonathan bradley and you can probably tell that both ant and i have been aroused uh during this podcast we hope you have been too <laughs>